Our uh, sermon passage this morning is in the book of Mark, chapter 10, verses 46 to 52. I invite you to turn there with me in your Bible, or it'll be up here on the screen. Mark, chapter 10, verses 46 to 52. And they came to Jericho. And as they were leaving Jericho, as he was leaving with his disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And the many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, call him. They called the blind man, saying to him, take heart, get up, he is calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, Go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. This is the word of the Lord. Father, we come to you again, and in hearing your word read, we ask that you would be at work through your spirit in our hearts. Give us eyes that see, ears that hear, and hearts open to receive your word this morning, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Here's our opening question for today. Where do you go when life gets hard? This is sort of metaphorical. I don't, maybe it's a physical place. Maybe it's a a mental, emotional, spiritual place. Where do you go when life is discouraging? Where do you go when life is confusing? When you feel overwhelmed? Where do you go for rest? Where do you go for healing? Today is Mother's Day. For some, this is a, a day of great joy and celebration. For others, it's an incredible day of uh, pain and disappointment. Where do you go on painful days? I have a pastor friend, uh, in a, we're in a group text, and sometimes he'll text the group and, and tell us that he's in the garage, and what he means by that is he's in a bad place and he's drinking. And he's letting us know, because he knows this isn't, you know, what he should be doing, but that's where he goes when things get hard. Where do you go when things get hard? We're in a sermon series through this eight-week season of Easter called Heal Us, Emmanuel, because as, as leaders and staff of the church, we've realized and we've even experienced that, that over these last 12 months, through, the, through 2020 and following us into 2021, much has occurred and a lot of pain has been inflicted. More than just a difficult time, it has been a painful time, and In some things, we don't even realize. We don't even know yet how we've been impacted by the last year. And we are all, no matter who we are, in need of healing, whether it's physical, emotional, spiritual, 
The impact of the last year has been intense, and none of us have escaped unscathed. And so we're talking about healing and the healing that Jesus offers us. And that's why we're looking today at the story of blind Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus. Now, very seldom, if you know, if you've been in our church very long, very seldom do we preach sermons like, be a Daniel or be a David, right? A lot of the the characters in the Bible, they're very human. They have good qualities and they have bad. But, But Mark wants us to read this story and he wants us to be a Bartimaeus. He is someone we are to emulate in the picture of discipleship. In a word, Mark tells us that we are to run to Jesus for healing and let nothing stand in our way. All right, well, let's jump into our passage here. Jesus and his disciples, they're on the way to Jerusalem. If you're familiar with Jesus' earthly ministry, he had about a three-year ministry of of, uh, itinerant ministry, walking from place to place, preaching the good news of the kingdom of God. But there there was a point, a juncture in his ministry where he turned his face to Jerusalem, the gospel writers writers tell us, and he headed from Galilee in the northern uh, section of Israel to to the south, to Jerusalem, where he knew he would give up his life on the cross. And he's on that journey, he's on that pilgrim road, and one of the last cities that Jesus would pass through on the way to Jerusalem was called Jericho. He came to Jericho, he preached there, and he's now leaving the city with a great throng following him. And this is probably a good number of the people who would be with Jesus when he came to Jerusalem. If you have your Bible open, you can see the very next passage in Mark 11 is the triumphal entry. So he's leaving Jericho, he's got a bunch of people following him, and he's about to make his triumphal entry entry into Jerusalem the week before his crucifixion. But as he's leaving the city, there's a blind beggar named Bartimaeus sitting on the side of the road. He's, he's there where traffic comes in and out of the city because of his blindness he cannot work, and so he lives through the giving of alms. And as Bartimaeus sat there, he heard the noise of the crowd coming. Something big was happening. And then he, he heard through the voice of the crowd that it was Jesus of Nazareth. He was passing this way. And by what he says, by what he cries out, we know that he knew of Jesus' reputation, that he was a rabbi. But, but even more than that, he was a prophet of God, a healer, maybe even Messiah. The anointed one of God who would sit on the throne of David and redeem Israel. The one on whom Israel had placed their future hopes. This was his chance. Jesus may never pass this way again. And in fact, we know he wouldn't because of his crucifixion. And so Bartimaeus seizes his opportunity and he begins to cry out, Jesus, son of David. Have mercy on me. Bartimaeus knew his need. And when he saw, when he heard that Jesus was coming, he cried out. So the question for us this morning is, do we know? Do you know what you need healing of? For Bartimaeus, right, it's pretty simple. 
he's blind. He cannot see. He cannot work. And as we suspect, in a few minutes, he's going to tell Jesus that he wants to see again. But I think for many of us, many 21st century Americans, it's actually pretty hard for us to know. We have so much at our fingertips, so many resources, so much technology that we actually, we're not sure what we might ask Jesus. Maybe you're sitting there and saying, no, I know exactly (laughs) what I would ask Jesus for. For me, God has used a lot of the events of the last year to show me, to reveal to me, to expose in me my need of healing. Let me tell you a little story. When I was, I wrote about this in the, in the newsletter last week, so you may have heard this, but when I was in fifth grade, my family moved from Florida to Georgia, and it was the middle of the year, <clears throat> so it was, you know, December, January, and I was excited, right? I was that age when moving into a new house and a new neighborhood and a new area was exciting. I was excited for the first day of school, I was excited to make new friends, and I remember choosing what I was going to wear. I put on one of my favorite sweaters. Being, being a kid from Florida, from Orlando, no less, it had Mickey Mouse. Mickey Mouse, my favorite sweater. Because, you know, first day of school, you want to put your best foot forward. Well, as you might have guessed, when I, when I came to school that first day, I was not uh, welcomed with warm arms as I uh, had hoped or expected, but I was actually ridiculed wearing a Mickey Mouse sweatshirt. And I was very quickly relegated to the uncool kid group and the uncool kid lunch table. You guys remember the uncool kid lunch table? The lunchroom, man, that is the battleground of especially middle school. But. And I internalized a message that day and in that season of life and in, in and other experiences I had from that time that I wasn't aware of until very recently in adulthood and lots of hours with counselors, Um, which is this. I internalized the message that who I am is not welcome. Who I am is uncool. Who I am, in my essence, is unwanted. And so to protect myself from pain, I learned to hide. I learned to self-protect. I learned to read the crowd, to observe individuals, to figure out what do they want me to be. Because if I can morph myself, if I can become the person you want me to be, then you'll accept me, and I will have a place, and I won't be rejected. Now, that actually sounds like a pretty smart way to live, right? But what I didn't realize was that over time, I was uh, painfully deforming my person. And I was hiding and I was cutting off parts of who God made me to be. And there were a number of bad (laughs) fruits that came out of that. Namely, that I was a slave to every individual that I came in contact with. You and your opinions, and your desires, and your thoughts became my master, rather than the master that I confessed in heaven, Jesus Christ. Years after I had become a Christian and thought that Jesus had taken away all my sin and all the past harms of my life, I realized, no, that work had only just begun. 
God absolutely wants and wanted to heal me from those past wounds, but work needed to be done, namely becoming aware of that pain, of that deformation, of that blindness. So let me ask you again, where have you been deformed by this broken world? And where have you deformed yourself by giving in to the lies of the evil one? Now, as Bartimaeus was crying out, those around him were told, rebuked him and told him to be silent. Shut up. You're a blind beggar. In the, in the hierarchy of our society, you have no voice. Jesus is a great teacher. He's very important. He's heading to Jerusalem. He's bringing the kingdom of God. Just stay out of the way. And as I reflected on this passage and on my own story, I realized that we hear those same voices. They may say different things, but ultimately when we feel our need for Jesus, voices tend to shout us down. Now these voices come in many forms. Uh, I have a friend who even named this voice in their head (laughs) so that they could address it directly. But I think, they, I think these, this voice can come in at least three particular forms. It comes in the form of guilt. Guilt that says, with all I've done wrong, I am not worthy of Jesus' help. I am beneath him. And so I will not go. It comes in the form of pride. Don't waste Jesus' time. You got yourself into this mess and you need to get yourself out. It also comes in the form of shame. That says, you are fundamentally broken, and Jesus wants nothing to do with you. Whatever it sounds like, there's always a voice that attempts to stop us from getting to Jesus. Do you recognize that voice? Have you heard that self-critical voice? It tells you that it's your fault, that Jesus has no time for you, that you are not worthy of Jesus, well, I think we all hear it in our own way. But beautifully, Bartimaeus presses on. Nevertheless, he cried out all the more, we're told in verse 48. Why? (laughs) Why did Bartimaeus continue to cry out? I think that's a pivotal question. He was desperate, right? He was blind. He wanted desperately to see, yes. But I think there was more to it than that. I think that God had awakened in him, deep down, a hope that God could possibly love him, a blind beggar sitting on the side of the road. And therefore, Jesus, his Messiah, might just have compassion. I love this quote from Henry Nouwen. I don't know, I forgot. Wes, can that go up there? Henry Nouwen says, whenever Jesus says to the people he has healed, your faith has saved you, he is saying that they have found a new life because they have surrendered in complete trust to the love of God revealed in him, revealed in Jesus. Trusting in unconditional love, in the unconditional love of God, that is the way in which Jesus calls us. 
Jesus showed us the love of God. For God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son to die on the cross that we might have life. The most supreme act of love in history. And so when we see this act of love, we see that God is open to us. That God is willing to heal us. You see, if Bartimaeus had believed the crowd, he would have stayed silent and allowed Jesus to pass him by. But by God's grace, he believed that maybe Jesus would have mercy. Maybe he'd heard that Jesus invited little children to come into his presence and sit on his lap. That that story takes place earlier in Mark chapter 10. Maybe he heard that Jesus had come not for the righteous, but sinners. As a blind beggar, Bartimaeus would most definitely have been seen as someone who had sinned or someone in his family had sinned and he was justly being punished for that sin. Maybe he'd heard Jesus' parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector that God welcomes the repentant sinners before self-righteous religious people. And so he cried out all the more. And for his courage, he was rewarded. To the crowd's great surprise, Jesus stops. It's, it's sort of like the woman who touched him in the crowd, you know, and, and he stops and, and his disciples are, 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 are wondering. And, and here, there's a great crowd of people. There's probably t- t- tons of people calling out to him, asking for his attention. And yet, who he stops for is the blind beggar. And he calls him over and he asks him this incredible question. What do you want me to do for you? I love Jesus' questions. Isn't it obvious? (laughs) This is a blind beggar. Jesus, you have healed the blind. You're known as a healer. What do you think he wants? And yet Jesus honors his humanity. He honors the image of God in him and his desires. We talked about last week. Jesus' desire is to to draw out of Bartimaeus' heart his true and deepest desires. I would have my sight again, O Lord. So now, imagine yourself in Bartimaeus' place. You've cried out to the Lord. He has stopped. He's invited you over. You've thrown off your cloak, and you've come to Jesus, and he asks you this question. What would you have me do for you? What's your answer? What's your honest answer? Not what you think you should say as a Christian. Not what you think Jesus wants you to say. Not what you think the crowd around Jesus wants you to say. But what do you want? Jesus to do for you. Beloved, Jesus can only, he will only heal those parts of us and those places in our hearts that we bring to him. Is he able to heal us completely of his own will and volition? Of course. But what we see in the scriptures is that Jesus desires relationship. Jesus desires you. That's why I love that it, it's, this, is, uh, this is Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus. Did you note that little detail? How, 
how did they know that? Probably because Bartimaeus, after his healing, he became a disciple and he became well-known. He was known to Mark. He was known to the community. And so he puts that detail in there. So when people hear hear the story, they're like, oh, Bartimaeus. We know him. We've met him. And Jesus loved him. If Jesus can love a blind beggar, he can love me. Where do you need healing? Like Bartimaeus, Mark, and the gospel writers, Jesus wants us to run to him and to offer him the truthfulness of where we hurt. Don't hide, don't deform yourself anymore, but run to Jesus and trust him with that place of pain and see what he does. See if he doesn't heal you on the spot or begin a process of healing in your life. Brothers and sisters, all of us are in need of healing. I invite you to go to him today, right now, this week, and be with him. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, Lord, we thank you for the story of Bartimaeus, which is the story of grace and courage and healing and hope. Father, all of us need that healing today. And we pray, Lord, that we would run to you, we would run to Jesus, and let nothing stop us. For we ask it in his name. Amen.